A good near Shabbos to our friends and members of the Westmount Shul. We're very excited about this Shabbos because after many months of planning and preparations, we were able finally to procure and help produce four Shabbos compliant scooters, which uh, there are certain people in the world whose health does not enable them to go to walk to shul. And therefore people have two ways of addressing the problem. Either they don't go to shul or they never, they drive to shul. Neither of them is ideal options, but understandable because the person cannot walk to shul. So some can have an overriding desire to be in shul over the overriding desire of keeping every aspect of Shabbos and others have an overriding aspect of wanting to keep every aspect of Shabbos, but not necessarily go to shul. So Baruch Hashem, the shul has invested and in looking for more sponsors to have, we have purchased four Shabbos compliant scooters where you can get in the scooter on Shabbos and it was electronically engineered that you do not transgress the Shabbos. And we have one uh, person who is already has uh, this scooter and will be coming to shul on Shabbos who hasn't been able to come to shul very often. And there's three more to go. So any of us who are listening who would like to be in shul, give it a try. And we're going to make sure to have a little scooter parking lot as we have four scooters to hope to enable to have more people come to shul on Shabbos. Very exciting either coming to shul or not desecrating the Shabbos to come to shul. That's your opportunity. Please contact me and we can get you in shul um, in a proper way. Uh, and that will be an amazing thing to celebrate. Now, regarding this week's Parsha, it's very common that this week's Parsha's Lech Lecha always comes around election day in the United States. As we know, next Tuesday is the election day in the United States. And although in Canada uh, it's not election day, but we have to admit whether we like it or not, what happens in the United States affects the entire world and including the closest neighbor, Canada. So here's an interesting question. And the question is, and um, is if Avram was alive today, and we're studying all about Avram, who would Avram vote for? Would he vote for the Democrats or the Republicans, the liberals or the conservatives? Who would he vote for? So I'm going to make a little riddle here. He would vote for the candidates who would know how to tie their shoes properly. Now, while I give the drush, you could try to figure out what in the world has the rabbi just said. Avram would vote for those who know how to tie their shoes. So let us proceed this, uh, this, uh, this journey into understanding how to vote. And in general, even though as Canadians we're not voting, but you, you do vote in other elections. And I think that will give us insight into future elections. So here's the Torah teaching us, so to speak, from Avram's behavior, what uh, behavior should we elect to do for ourselves and to elect others to do it on behalf of us. There's a famous medrash that says, an, a, a parable, 
there was a person walking in the forest and there seemed to be no nothing around, but then he sees an amazing palace, an incredible palace, beautiful. But unfortunately, the palace is on fire. So the person's looking and says, I can't believe it. There's a palace and it's on fire. Where is the balabas? Where's the owner of the palace? And then the owner of the palace says, Here I am. So to Avram Avinu, as it were. He's walking through the world. He sees the world is beautiful. It's a beautiful palace. If you really look at this world and if you've taken any walks in the fall and seen the tremendous colors of the tree, the leaves and everything, and the changing of the season. It's just a beautiful, beautiful world. Yet we see the world is on fire. There are people that are literally burning up the world. As we've seen in the past, all the types of riots that existed a couple summers ago, burning things up. The behavior is so destructive in burning the world. And we too should be asking, where is the Balabais? And that's what Avram asked in his day. There was the Tower of Babel, 10 generations of the world devolving into terrible wickedness. And the world was literally burning up. And Avram said, where is the Balabais? And then Hashem revealed himself and said, I am the Balabais. What is this Medrash teaching us? On the simple level, the Medrash is saying, that when you see a beautiful palace, obviously there's got to be somebody who owns it because it just doesn't happen by itself. Somebody spent a lot of time, effort, and money to create that palace. And I'm sure he created the palace for many years. Now, if the palace is on fire, where is the owner to stop the fire? Because doesn't he care about the palace that he built? So Abram's saying, I look at this beautiful world. This beautiful world screams out that there's someone who owns this palace. Someone made the palace. Yet how in this beautiful palace can the owner allow wicked people to burn up the palace with sinful behavior? And what was the answer? Hashem says, here I am, I'm the owner. So many rabbis asked the following question. But the story's not over and the parable's not over and with Avram it's not over. What should be the next line in the story? The owner should say, here I am, and I'm going to put out the fire. Isn't that what, you know? And, and, and more than that, did the owner have to wait to be told? As if the owner didn't know about it? It's such a special palace, don't you keep an eye on it? So what's going on over here? It doesn't seem to be a next step. We have palace, Palace on fire, right? Third step, inform information that it's on fire. So now what's the final, who's going to deal with it? Medrash doesn't seem to talk about it. So many rabbis give the following answer. They say, Hashem says to Avram, you've made very good observations, amazing observations. You're absolutely right. Not everybody was so smart to think about it your way. Some people 
say, you know what, the palace might look nice, but it's an accident. So it's an accident, it could be on fire by accident as well. So you're very clever. You realize that the palace means that there has to be someone who made the palace. But your question is, how could the one making the palace leave it on fire? So Hashem says, you're right. Your analysis is absolutely correct. I am the one who, who, who made the palace. And I own it and I created it. Now you ask the question, so how could it be that it's on fire? The answer is, well, what should you do, Avram? If it's a beautiful palace and you know it should be that way and you see someone's destroying it, what are you waiting for? Put out the fire yourself. You have to wait for someone to tell you, I'm the, wait, oh, it's wonderful. You know, I think, you know, the palace on fire, I think you should put out the fire. What do you mean you should put out the fire? God's as if saying, what did you even wait for me to come out and say that I, that I, that I made the palace? Could you know by your own self to put out the fire? Someone says, okay, I got it. And this, the measure says, is the beginning of Lech Lecha. This is the beginning of Lech Lecha. So the, the question is, so how does Avram go about putting out the fire? How does he go about putting out the fire? Okay. So that's the whole that's the whole story of Lech Lecha, Vayera, Chayesora. It's Avram putting out the fire. Meaning to say, God created a world that's imperfect and he gives man the opportunity to be partners in the perfection of the world by putting out the fire. So how does Avram put out the fire? Now, there's a very interesting halacha that relates to this week's Parsha. We know that when we put on our shoes, what do we do? We put on the right shoe first and then we tie the left shoe. Now, putting on the right shoe makes a lot of sense because everything we do is always with the right. If you're bathing yourself, you bathe yourself on the right side first. If you have to go in a certain direction, you know, you usually go right before left. Right represents, you know, the stronger ability to do things. In halacha, we always give preference to the right. And that's why we put our shoes on the right side. The question is why tying them is on the left. That seems to be the one that is different. And the Gemara answers because when we put on our tefillin, our tefillin are on the left and we tie the tefillin on the left. So since we tie the tefillin on the left, so therefore we tie the shoes on the left as well. Interesting. Seems to be a connection between tying the shoes and putting on the tefillin. But the question is, where did the myths of tefillin come from? And the answer is, when Avram fought the battle against the four kings in World War II, so to speak, and he was outnumbered, but miraculously he wins, and he brings back all the spoils. And now the king of Sodom, who now had lost everything, comes to Avram and he says, Avram, you know what? Give me my people and you could take all the spoils. Avram says, not from a, 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 a thread or a, or, a, or a shoestring will I take. And the Gemara says, in the merit of saying I won't take a shoestring, we have the mitzvah of tefillin. Ah, so some kind of connection between the shoestring and tefillin. 
and therefore tefillin, which the Gemara says, um, why? what's so special about tefillin? Tefillin reminds the world there's a God. When the Jews go out with tefillin, the non-Jews are afraid, so we're making a Kiddush Hashem. So Avram made a Kiddush Hashem, so we, and he said, I don't want to have a shoestring, so we connect the two. So there's still a, a number of questions, but which, what do we do first? We first put the shoe on the right side, the right foot first, but then tie the left. So what is going on over here? Again, if you usually right, what's left? So what's going on over here? So the answer is that in general, Avram understood that the way for a person to live is to emulate a Kodesh Baruch Hu. You have to emulate a Kodesh Baruch Hu. And a Kodesh Baruch Hu, obviously, whatever Hashem does is a Kiddush Hashem, because everything he does is good. And we're supposed to emulate a Kodesh Baruch Hu. Now, we know when Hashem does things, there's two ways to do things. With Chesed or with Gvura. Kindness or control, discipline, judgment. And we know mystically from the Spheros that Chesed comes before Gvura, which means to say that anything Hashem does in this world is based on Chesed. The whole creation of the world is Chesed. And Hashem wants to give us Chesed, but unmitigated Chesed can... Uh, you know, be taken advantage of and bring destruction. So therefore, God, after chesed, has the idea of gvura, control, discipline, judgment, so there's some kind of balance in the world. And that's the way a person has to live. We have to live on the one hand, knowing that I want to emulate Hashem and I want to do chesed. And by doing chesed, I'll put out the fires of the world. But then there's a time, oh, and therefore, Avram's primary mita was chesed. Hashem says there's a fire in this world. Avram said, I see there's a fire. Hashem said, you take care of it. We didn't take care of it. So Avram thinks, how am I going to take care of it? There's only one way I can take care of it. I have to be godly. And just like God does kindness, I will do kindness. And that's what Avram did. He was a paradigm of kindness. Kindness really shows there's a God in this world. The more kindness we show, even, even to the worst people, eventually it will rub off. Even Avram gave hospitality to Nimrod, as a matter of fact. His arch enemy. Interesting, even hospitality to Nimrod. However, we have to be very careful that Hashem, as much as there is chesed, unmitigated chesed, means we're unbalanced. And therefore, people can take advantage of the chesed, not... Um, not be grateful for the chesed, could take the things we give them and do things negative that's hurtful with it. So there has to be a lesser dose of control, justice, and uh, putting a person discipline. So of the two, why did God create the world? Did he create the world to be able to discipline and control us or to do kindness? The answer is kindness. That's the right hand. Right is strong. And therefore, if the real strongest um, attribute and influence in this world Hashem does is kindness and we have to emulate that. Whenever there's an opportunity of kindness, we do that. We've got to realize kindness alone will destroy the world. As we see, kindness alone brought a world that was so corrupt. And if the kindness doesn't bring us around, there's got to be some discipline. So Avram, as much as you asked Avram, you say, what do we know about Avram? Kind man. Take guess, don't charge, nothing. But then when he hears that his nephew Lot has been captured in a battle 
And these people are what we would call the axis of evil. And they've done terrible things. Not just in war, but these were the people, same people, behind the Tower of Babel. Where Tower of Babel was preaching unity, but really by preaching unity, they were all forcing everyone to preach the same party line. And those who went against it would be disciplined and punished. And that was the source of these wars that happened. And when now this, this attitude of how to mistreat people affected even his nephew Lot, Abram said, that's enough. As they say, no more Mr. Nice Guy. There is a time to put your foot down and say, no, this will not happen anymore. And therefore, Abram takes the gauntlet of, of Gvura and totally against the way he really loves to do things and says, so that the world will be a place where kindness can continue to exist. Evil must be eradicated. And if we show kindness to evil, then the kindness we show is not kindness, it's babamises. It's lack of strength of character. Strength of character means I will be kind, and that's the primary way I do things. But when kindness is abused, then I must show discipline so I can have more kindness. And we cannot let criminals go out on cashless bail. We cannot allow criminals to go out of jail early. We cannot say, well, you know, there's victims. You see the Mita Kineged Mita. Just look at history. Look at history. Look at current events. That the one person who espoused so much kindness, defund the police. Let every immigrant come in if they're undocumented. Let's leave the homeless where they are. Just throw money at them. Kindness, kindness, kindness. But that is total cruelty. And the head kindness maker, quote unquote, the speaker of the house, got the kindness thrown over her husband's skull. It was Bedafka, such a person, an illegal immigrant who was homeless, so to speak. And was allowed to take drugs and all these things. Sharakinus will come back and beat your husband over the head. If that's indeed the story that happened. Who knows if it's not deep. Torah showing what happens. And Abram says, no, no. Even though public opinion, many people feel one way. Abram says, I go against the tide. It's time to put these people in their place. Okay. So now let's think. So what does what Abram say? I'm not taking anything, not even a shoestring. Not even a shoestring. From the shoestring, we have the mitzvah of tefillin. Where the tefillin go on the left hand, but also on the mind. Tefillin bring out Kiddush Hashem. It's an incredible thing. But bottom line, what tefillin are showing Although tefillin really represents the love between Hashem and us. Tefillin is like our jewelry. When a man puts on tefillin, he should feel he's putting on jewelry. This is his connection to Hashem. So tefillin in the general sense means there's love between us and Hashem. Yet we still put the tefillin on the left arm because the left arm represents, left is gvura, control. That in our love relationship, we know that we've got to use control also for this. And therefore, when we tie our shoes, and what's the idea of a shoe? A shoe, what's, why do you have to wear a shoe for? We make a bracha, shasoli called tzarki. What's so big about a shoe? So the simple level is, well, it protects your foot from getting hurt. That's true. 
But everything that's on a simple level is a deeper level. Of course, if I walk barefoot, my feet will get hurt. But the shoe existentially does one more other thing. As the Malbim explains, the shoe separates my feet, my body from the earth. And though man comes from the earth, he has to know he isn't totally an earthling just to act on his earthly impulses, his gross impulses. He's got to put a separation of the shoe to show that I may be on planet Earth, but I'm not that connected to planet Earth, that I'm uh, I'm like a part of Earth with earthliness and all the foibles that comes with earthliness. So make a separation to show that I'm a divine being who is on Earth. And as a divine being on Earth, I've given guidance that what do I do? First shoe I put on is the right shoe because not to act instinctively like an animal, but to realize kindness is how I have to interact with this entire world. Just like Avram acted with kindness. But think about this. Try this today. If you have a shoe that needs to be tied, take the shoe and try to walk without tying your shoelaces. Better yet, try to run without tying your shoelaces. What will happen? You will probably trip and fall or the shoe will fall off and you will get hurt so even though I've got the shoe and I've got all the benefits of what the shoe can provide but if I can't tie it up I can't constrain it I'm gonna get hurt with all that and that's the message every morning when you get up in the morning the message is I'm now going out into this world I am NOT a behemoth I am NOT an animal I am not a direct result of earthly desires. No, there's a shoe where I separate that. And the shoe's made out of leather. Leather comes from an animal that's killed because I've killed the animalistic desire within me, but it's still useful as leather to separate me from the earth. And I'm using shoes. And of course, how am I going to use the shoes? In other words, how am I going to interact with planet earth with putting on the right shoe first I'm going to use kindness like God did, like Avram did. But I have to remember, if I don't um, limit that kindness, I don't show there's limitations. And how is that? By tying it. I can't leave the shoe open. I got to tie it. I got to put a certain constraint on it. It may not feel as comfortable. When a shoe is loose, it feels very, very comfortable. Maybe I'm very comfortable being kind in this world. I don't confront people. But sometimes you got to tie it up. Restrict it. Restrict the free movement so that you will be able to walk and run and not have the shoe fall out and you will not hurt yourself. That must be on the left side. And that's what Avram had to do. And that's what we have to do. And therefore, who would Avram vote for? Well, I'm not going to, you know, go into the weeds and give you my own personal political views, which you all know. But one thing he would vote for is a candidate that emulates God, whose primary wish is chesed for others, not for himself. To make sure that the others will have the best life possible. Some people feel if I let people have unlimited use of drugs, if we allow people to hurt other people and to go free, 
That is the ultimate chesed. To allow immigrants to come in without any documentation because want everyone to enjoy this country. You might think, wow, that's a tremendous chesed. Let's stop all oil production so we save the planet. What a chesed. But total chesed without gvura, without control, will mean disaster. If you don't have any police to control people, if you don't make certain crimes illegal, if you don't keep people in jail, you just have all this incredible chesed. You don't know how to tie your shoes properly. You see what's happening in New York. You see what's happening everywhere. We have to we have to vote for a candidate that will be really inspired by true kindness, but knows, and they'll put their foot shoe on the right foot. But when it comes to tying, it's going to be tied on the left. It's going to be tied with strictness. And if someone violates the law, they have to be punished. They have to be disciplined. Can't just spend all the money in the world. Chesed, chesed. That brings inflation. And then interest rates go up. And you're hurting everybody. And you don't have enough oil. You don't have enough resources for anybody. You want to do a chesed with the Ukraine. We could debate yes or not. But you can't do an unlimited chesed. And say we're going to just keep giving them money as much as possible. Even if people in Europe this winter will freeze to death. Because there's no oil. So you got to realize who you're voting for. Now, of course, forget about the politics. If you're voting for someone that represents your own views, so again, I par- pardon the pun, what do you elect to do in terms of your behavior? What if behavior, are you going to be a person who is mamish focused primarily on kindness? That's my main role. And occasionally, yes, I'll have to do some gvura, then that's fine. That's what your shoes are all about. We're in this world to bring out light, hope, happiness to this world. You want a world that will recognize there is a God in this world. And the only way they can do that is we people have selfless kindness to others. But if it's unmitigated, that's not, that's not, that will lead to the opposite of God's world. And we cannot allow people who are mentally deranged to think that they're one gender instead of another. That's not a kindness. There has to be a control. We cannot allow people to murder babies on demand because that's the kindness that I have freedom at the expense of murdering babies. We got to start with kindness, but there's got to be controls and you find a happy medium. And that's our behavior as well. So as much as we try to be kind to everybody, and sometimes there's others who do things in our company that is totally inappropriate. But we're afraid to stand up for what's right. And if we fail to do that, we say, well, you know, we have to be kind to the person. They're not going to like it. But if it's totally inappropriate, we cannot tolerate it. And everyone needs guidance in how to blend putting the right foot, right shoe on, but then tying the left one afterwards. And that guidance you get from the Torah from learning more about Avram's behavior. You could use counsel from wiser people who can help you to know where's the Avram method. What behavior should I elect? And I will live by my vote of electing kindness that's tempered with control.
And that is such an incredible idea. In so many aspects, and for those who have trouble walking to shul, think about those issues. What's the kind answer? What's the control answer? How's the blend? The shul wants everyone to be in shul, even those who have difficulties. We never question how people come to shul, and it's not our business. But if people don't come to shul, we want them to come to shul. If people come to shul, not the way Hashem wants them to come, but we try to find solutions, maybe to consider it. And that needs how to blend the kindness with the control. I leave it to everybody's good judgment for this. But let me end with an incredible story that shows you how you can blend the kindness and the control. And this story was related by somebody who was sitting in a shiva house from, from Dr. Joseph Kamenetsky. Who was he? He was one of the prime leaders of the day school movement in America. He was a student of Rav Shraga Fievel Mendelovitz. And uh, in the 1940s, there were like no day schools. Now, at that time, the question was, how are we going to revitalize Judaism in North America? Some said, just by building temples. While Agudas Yisrael said, no, by building day schools that teach true Torah ideals. And he was the one that was chosen to be the leader of Torah Masar to bring every city with 5,000 Jews would have a day school, and they succeeded. And therefore, all day schools that were in the quote-unquote boondocks or hinterlands were the result of Dr. Joseph Kamenetsky's work. He passed away a number of years ago, and his daughter was sitting shivanerit Yisrael. And a fellow came to be Menachem Avel to offer consolation to the mourners. But nobody knew who this fellow was. Each relative says, do you know him? Do you know him? Nobody knew him. Nobody knew him. But they'd find out in a minute, because he said the following... I'd like you to, I'm here because I want to show appreciation to your father and grandfather, Dr. Joseph Kamenetsky. Why? Because I come from a small town in America. My parents were not religious, but they sent me to a day school. My father really was not into religion, but he sent me to a day school. One day he wanted to take me somewhere and called up to my room and said, hurry up, we're late. You need to come down already so we can go. I told him, sorry, Daddy, I have to retie my shoes. <laughs> and my father was incredulous. You have to retie your shoes? What's the problem? Well, I told him that after tying my shoes, I remembered that I did it wrong. Instead of tying the left shoe first and then the right shoe, I tied the right shoe and then the left shoe. So now I must untie the shoes and then retie the left followed by the right. <laughs> the father hears this. My father said, are you out of your mind? Where did you get this craziness from? So I said, that's what they taught me in school. My father says, that's what they teach you in school? Are they crazy? I'm taking you out of that school. And indeed, his father pulled him out of day school and put him into public school. And this is years ago. Not now. Huh. And of course, as I say, the son went the way of all flesh and grew up an irreligious Jew to the extent that years later he became engaged to a non-Jewish woman. So far, it's a pretty standard story. Now comes the incredible part he tells of. On the day of his marriage, 
He bent down to tie his shoe. He bent down to tie his shoe and tied his left shoe first. And he asked himself, why? Because that's what I learned in school. And on the wedding day, he said to himself, I'm going to throw this away. I'm going to completely abandon Judaism by marrying a non-Jewish woman. So he calls up his bride and what was to be their wedding day and told her, I cannot go through with it. And indeed he didn't. So I guess the parents really thought he was crazy. <laughs> well, what do you do after you break an engagement on the wedding day when everybody thinks you're nuts? So what do you do? He went to Eretz Yisrael. And over time he studied and he became a Baal Tshuva. And he learned in a yeshiva. Now, obviously, being about Chuva after trying to get married means he's quite an older fellow. He was getting older and he had not yet found the proper shidduch. So one day his Rosh Yeshiva told him, I have a girl for you. She's a nice, very religious girl. However, you do need to know one thing. She is a convert. So the guy says, I'm getting older. I don't care. So he calls up the girl, the stranger, to make the date. Lo and behold, it was the bride he abandoned on the day of their scheduled wedding. How did that happen? So on the first date, she explains. He says, after that traumatic experience of the groom canceling her wedding on the day of the wedding, she said to herself, if someone is willing to give up his love for his bride for a thing called Judaism, I need to see for myself what it's all about. She investigated Yiddishkeit. She wound up in Eretz Yisrael. She went to a Ba'alat Teshuvah institution. She converted and became observant. Think about this. He married this very girl to whom he was once engaged and almost married. <laughs> and then he marries her. Unbelievable. You know what this is? This is exactly someone who understands the message of Avram Avino. Leave your comfort zones. And then I'll show you the land. I will show you who you will be. I will show you how great you can be. Rabbi Isai, this is the Parsha. We have to learn to get out of certain comfort zones. To find who will be. And it starts by putting on the right shoe, but making sure to tie the left shoe. Make sure to show your, your concern and your proper judgment and your withholding and maybe having an uncomfortable conversation with someone which may include yourself to be able to achieve the status of what Avram Avinu is all about. May Hashem help us with our voting. May Hashem help us that this Shabbos we elect to behave in the way that Avram elects. And one thing's for sure, doesn't matter what the polls say, we will win if we elect the behavior of Avram Avino. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Hope to see you all in shul. Take care.